our scripture for today actually comes from the New Testament. We will be back in the book of Acts. And as I mentioned, you know, every week when we've come to these stories of life behind closed doors, there's been a door. There's been one door and folks have been behind it. And we've looked at what happened here. And the interesting thing about, one of the interesting things about today's story is that there are a multiplicity of doors, a multiplicity of doors. So I invite you as the Conants read the scripture uh, to look for the doors and the gates in the text uh, and see how folks are moving around those. I invite Rebecca and James. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the crowds, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting Peter, Herod put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone on the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything that the crowds were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When, they kept insist when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James, the brother of Jesus, and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. 
Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy God, we know that you are present with us now. You are present with us each in our own home. You are present with each person all around the world, wherever they are, whatever door they are behind or in front of, you are there. And we ask that your spirit be with us now in this moment to open our hearts and minds to hear and to become a living word for you. Amen. For the last uh, seven weeks, the whole season of Easter, we've embraced this worship theme of life behind closed doors. We've moved through the season of Easter at the same time that we have found ourselves moving through a season of pandemic and of sheltering in place, living lives in large part behind closed doors. And so we've looked to our ancient sisters and brothers and siblings in the faith and turned to stories in scripture where they too are living behind closed doors and in some way or another where they too are looking for life there, abundant life, resurrection life. And what a wealth of stories we have found. We started on Easter with the biggest of all closed doors, the stone rolled in place to close the tomb. But we found it rolled away on Easter morning. At the gaping door of the empty tomb, we found yet more life to live right now and forever. The next week, we joined Thomas and the disciples behind closed doors in the shock of their world. And we found there a place to bring our questions and our uncertainty in bewildering times to bring those questions to Jesus. Then we gathered behind closed doors with a community of women who were grieving the death of Tabitha as they remembered all the clothes that she had made for them, all her acts of tender mercy. And in their remembering, she came to life again. And we thought of all those who were sewing masks in our day, tender mercy expressed in the life-giving, making and wearing of masks in these days. Then we visited the early Christian community in those first days after resurrection, and we found them gathered behind closed doors, worshiping in homes, much like we are gathered worshiping in homes right now as they and we create together new ways of living in community. And for the past two weeks, we've thought of how doors can limit the ways that we live life. We have grieved the things we've lost for a time, the ability to worship and serve in person together, Noah on the ark, the widow and her sons in a time of scarcity finding their way to abundance as we pray and live into new ways to live out the things that really matter, new ways to set the banquet table. Each Sunday has brought a new scripture with a door and people living behind it and a story about how they found their way to life there. This morning's scripture brings a multiplicity of doors door upon door upon door, sometimes keeping people out, sometimes keeping people in. And what we find are people negotiating their way behind and before and around and through these doors. The first doors we see are the prison doors. Our scripture opens and yet another Herod has risen to power, the third in the New Testament. He is a despot who acts and reacts 
based on the mood of the crowd. And he's picked up that the crowd wants to attack the early Christian community. And so he arrests James and Peter. He executes James and Peter sits here in prison, likely awaiting the same fate. Peter finds himself behind a whole series of doors, the door to his cell, the prison gate. And not only that, the scripture details the extent of the security that keeps him there. There are four squads of soldiers guarding him. There are two sets of chains. Peter is sleeping between two soldiers. There's a guard at the door to his cell and one at the door beyond that. And in the depths of this prison, an angel appears. The shackles fall away. Get up, get dressed, follow me. And Peter, dazed and confused, does just that. Out through the doors, through the outer iron gate that opens of its own accord. And then, and only then, does Peter realize he is free freed from the threat of death to life out from behind closed doors. And Peter runs to the safe house where they are praying for them only to find the door there closed and locked. A servant named Rhoda hears him knocking and recognizes his voice and gets so excited that she runs off to get the others so excited that she forgets to let Peter in. And don't you know it, she runs to the men and because she's a woman, they don't believe her and they too leave Peter knocking at the closed door. But Rhoda keeps insisting, and Peter keeps on knocking. Rhoda insisting to these men who will not listen, Peter knocking and knocking for whoever will listen, and eventually, eventually the folks in the safe house get up and go and open the door and rejoice at the sight of Peter. In this story, we move through a multiplicity of doors the doors and gates of the prison that are supposed to keep Peter in open of their own accord and make a way for him to head on out into freedom. The doors of the safe house that are supposed to offer him shelter, well, well, he finds them locked and closed and he's left out in the danger of the streets as he keeps on knocking and as Rhoda keeps on insisting. insisting. All this is to say, doors are complicated. For most of this series, we have thought of the closed doors that we find in scripture and wondered what they might mean for our experience in these days of sheltering in place. This scripture reminds us that the early Christians took shelter behind closed doors and that the early Christians were also a people who were imprisoned behind closed doors. And it reminds us too that in these days of pandemic, there are so many who are experiencing pandemic behind the closed doors, not of a home or of a safe house, but of a prison or a jail. And the pandemic is hitting hard there. Prisons by their nature and purpose do not afford space for social distancing. The United States has more of its citizens incarcerated in prisons and jails than any other nation. They are confined in close quarters. That alone is a life-threatening condition in days of pandemic. In some states, like Ohio, folks who are incarcerated account for as much as 20% of that state's COVID-related cases. Some states and local governments have taken some action to mitigate that, releasing folks who are close to their time of release, releasing those who are being held awaiting trial for nonviolent offenses. But that has offered small relief to a substantial health risk. 
for folks who are incarcerated, looking for life from behind closed doors is different than it is for us. And there's been really a really good coverage of this over the past week. And when I, when I post the manuscript of the sermon, I've got footnotes that have news articles that will really detail uh, what's happening in prisons and the real serious pandemic issues there. And I invite you to, I invite you to read more about that. We also have to name that the extent of incarceration itself is the product and result of systemic American racism. We've talked about that before. As legal and theological scholar Michelle Alexander has detailed in her seminal work, The New Jim Crow, every advance toward racial justice has been met with the resistance of persistent structural racism. The constitutional amendments that followed the Civil War were met by the first Jim Crow laws and so-called Black Codes that endeavored to control Black Americans in a new kind of slavery. The civil rights advances of the mid and late 20th century were likewise met with resistance. What Michelle Alexander has named for us the new Jim Crow as a legal system emerged where prosecutors have almost unfettered discretion to decide whom and what to charge where that discretion opens the way for implicit and explicit bias to work, where the whole system, the whole system has resulted in the disproportionate mass incarceration of persons of color. Looking for life from behind closed doors for our sisters and brothers and siblings who are incarcerated means not only understanding how their experience of pandemic is different and urging humanitarian compassionate action, but also continuing the work of dismantling systemic American racism. If we think of all the doors in this scripture and all the doors in our world in these days of pandemic and sheltering, all the ways that folks right now are living behind closed doors, if we sit for a moment with Peter in chains with a guard on either side behind door after door after door, we are confronted with the complexity of doors. Doors themselves are neutral objects. They are planks, usually of wood or metal, hung on hinges to swing open or shut. They can be used to lock people in. They can be used as a tool of oppressive systems older than you or me or the door itself. And or they can offer shelter. They can keep out the rain or the wind, welcome a person living outside into the warmth and safety of a room with a roof and walls and a hot meal. They can hold a pandemic at bay for a moment or two. They can help us flatten the curve and save life. They can separate us from each other, both for harm and for healing. There is nothing about the door itself that e is either bad or good. What matters, what makes a difference is how we choose to live life individually and collectively amid and around and behind and through the complexity of doors. In resurrection, God gives us life beyond every separation, life more powerful than any power in the world that keeps us apart. What matters 
What matters is how we use that life that we are given to find our way to yet more life every day to create a world that offers more life to every human being in every circumstance. That may mean sheltering behind closed doors and wearing masks and making masks and paying attention to science as we collectively flatten the curve, help stop the spread of disease, slow the pandemic and save life. That may mean advocating for those behind doors that they don't have the freedom to open. That may mean, it does mean, continuing the work that is ours to do to dismantle American racism, work that will span our whole life and continue into the lives of those who will follow. It means working for abundant resurrection life for every person, everywhere, behind every kind of door. But how? How do we do that? I think we get a glimpse in the second part of this scripture, in that moment, that moment where Peter comes to the door of the safe house and he knocks. And Rhoda comes to the door and she hears Peter's voice, Peter on one side of the door and Rhoda on the other. And Rhoda, Rhoda gets so excited, so excited that she forgets to let him in. And she runs to the men who will refuse at first to hear truth from a woman, to hear truth from a person whose voice comes far from the center of power. And Rhoda keeps insisting and Peter keeps on knocking. Rhoda insisting, Peter knocking. Rhoda and Peter and the community they call together, they find their way to freedom and to life from behind that closed door. How do we find our way to life from behind closed doors, life for the whole world? Here's how. We do that together. Together by the resurrection power of the Spirit of Christ alive and at work in us. You see, in the season of Easter, we've come to these stories from Scripture to this life behind closed doors. And what we have seen in these days what we have seen in these days is God's resurrection power ready to bring us up out of the tomb and into life, yet more life, more than we could ever imagine. What we have seen in these days is God's resurrection power ready to respond to our questions and our doubts and our bewilderment with the steady, unshake-offable offer of the presence of the risen Christ. What we have seen in these days is God's resurrection power ready to bring life into the world in the stitching of clothes, the quilting of quilts, and the making of masks, resurrection life in our daily acts of tender mercy. What we have seen in these days is God's resurrection power at work in community to create new ways of doing what we do, grieving what we have lost for a time, but finding our way together to new ways of worship and of serving and of setting the table so that there is enough for all. What we have seen in these days is God's resurrection power ready to come to life in us by the spirit of the risen Christ, ready to come to life in us to bless and to heal the world God loves. And all that, all that, it's just the start. Because remember, all that, was just Easter. And next Sunday, next Sunday is Pentecost.